You're listening to 1881, powered by the American Hereford Association and part of the Hereford Network. Here's your host, Shane Bedwell. Welcome back to another episode of 1881. This is your host, Shane Bedwell, and uh, we're excited uh, to bring you today's guest. And uh, Christmas is right around the corner, and Thanksgiving is upon us, and uh, a lot of stuff going on in the business right now, and particularly the Hereford business. And we just finished up with the annual meeting. Uh, that took place here in Kansas City at the end of October, and uh, what a fantastic event, um, as usual, uh, during the American Royal, and uh, just a ton of uh, membership came to town. We elected uh, some great new leadership to the board, and uh, it it was a it was a great week, awesome educational forum, lots of interaction, and. Um, you know, with members and industry folks that attended that and some great, uh, you know, discussion uh, that went on on several of those topics. And you'll be seeing more um, of that discussion and interaction in the Hereford world uh, coming up here in December. So I'd encourage you to uh, look online or uh, in your mailboxes for the Hereford world when it comes out for full coverage of the annual meeting, educational forum, and all the award winners. I mean, it's just fantastic how many scholarships are uh, awarded to our young people, the the prestigious CK uh, endowment uh, that's done so much for uh, so many young people in our Hereford family, um, and the list just goes on and on from there. You know, uh, Bill Gehring did such a good job uh, for us uh, during his tenure on the American Hereford Association, and so uh, Bill retired uh, and uh, passed the torch to Mr. Wyatt Agar, and uh, he is the new elected uh, president of the American Hereford Association, and uh, he's our guest today, and our, our title for today's episode is Taking Charge. And uh, Wyatt's certainly no stranger. Hopefully, uh, everybody's got to know Wyatt and your family, uh, his family, I guess I should say, uh, more uh, during his time on the board, but certainly no stranger to the Hereford business. And his family uh, has done a great job in Wyoming raising uh, cattle that uh, are built for the commercial cattlemen. And, um, you know, we're going to learn more about Wyatt and his background here in a little bit. But, Wyatt, thanks for being on here today. Thank you, Shane. Thanks for having me. So joining Wyatt as the newly elected uh, vice president is Chad Breeding uh, from Texas. Uh, He is the uh, new vice president of the American Hereford Association board. Knowing in the the newly elected uh, board members joining the the board uh, that the membership would have elected during the annual meeting would be... uh, Jerry Delaney from Minnesota, Cindy Preble from Oklahoma, and Scott Sullivan from Arkansas. Wyatt, I think you would agree that um, you know the the six that that ran for the board uh, were great candidates. All of them, uh, all of them, very deserving and all active in our membership. Um, and we're we're very excited about uh, Jerry and Cindy and Scott getting on the board and. Uh, 
joining uh, your run here this next year, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, we were looking at committee assignments the other day, and you look at the the diversity of the committee um, and the board and the different thought process that's going to be there over the next year. It's really exciting. So that's uh, one one job that the president uh, that that some of our listeners might not know. Each year, that is one of the president's duties is um, basically assigning the the board members to those respective committees. And um, Wyatt uh, completed that, and so check one to the list of things to do this year, right, Wyatt? Yeah, it was it was a fun process. Yeah. So let's let's jump into a little bit of your background, Wyatt Agar from um, Durban Creek uh, there in uh, the ranch. Uh, again, done such a good job uh, building, I think Herford market share back in the in the Northwest, and um, I think after you get done, kind of talking about your background and history, I think more people have a better appreciation for how you've done that, Wyatt. Um, over the years. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely, Shane. Uh, so I was raised on a, a family cow-calf operation in the Pacific Northwest. Um, our headquarters was in in Baker County, Oregon, which uh, happens to be the same town that Bobby Harrell's from. Um, but we also, we ran stalker cattle in California and we ran cattle in Washington. So we kind of encompass the Pacific Northwest. Um, 15 years ago, we started talking about where we could go to uh, to acquire more land base to bring more members of the family back into the family operation and ended up here in Wyoming. Um, and so the operation consists of my parents, myself and my wife, Joey, and our three kids. And then my younger brother, Jake, and his wife, Hannah, were coming back and joined the family operation when we moved here to, to Wyoming. Um, since being here, we, we just recently sold the last of the real estate in Oregon. Um, so we are wholly invested in Wyoming, I guess you would say at this point. Um, we did a few years ago, uh, by five years ago, we bought a backgrounding lot so that we could work uh, closer with our bull customers, um, marketing their calves. And we are, uh, we're buying a lot of those calves. They come through our feedlot here before they go on to our, the finishing lots that we work with in Colorado and get finished. Mm-hmm. So Wyatt, tell us a little bit about um, you growing up um, in the breed and um, education, college, Absol- all that good stuff. Okay. Well, I, uh, as I say, I, I grew up on the family operation. Uh, by the time I was in high school, I actually homeschooled through high school so that I could work, spend more time on the operation. I knew what my focus was going to be in life. And so I worked day to day with my dad. And uh, when I graduated or when I finished high school, I guess I should say, I went on, I had a full ride scholarship to livestock judge for a, a, a junior college in Oregon, um, did very well in the JCO division and uh, had some opportunities to go to some pretty stellar four-year schools. Unfortunately, by the time I finished JCO, I had 200 head of, of mother cows myself. 
somebody had to feed those cows through the winter. So I finished yep. college remotely uh, through OSU, Oregon State, and yep. uh, stepped right into, just went back to the ranch and uh, became a partner and worked with my parents. Awesome. And uh, how did uh, how did you meet Joey? How did sh- how did that all come into the fold? Oh, that's a fun story. We met when we were six years old at the county fair. I'll be. And uh, our county fair had a division for pre 4-H, and I had won the showmanship in the beef division, and she had won the showmanship in the swine division. So we faced off each other against each uh, other in the round, round robin. robin. Yes. Yeah. And I saw this pretty little brown-eyed girl across the show ring from me, and I winked at her. I thought I was pretty <laughs> impressive. She did not think so. so. <laughs> anyway, we, we grew up together, uh, dated all through high school. And uh, long story short, we ended up married and uh, have three wonderful kids. Yeah, that's awesome. And how old are they? So we have twin daughters that are 16. That's Riley and Taylor. And then we have Cooper that is our, we call him our golden child. He's 12. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Now that's in, and Riley and Taylor, they're pretty good at livestock judging too, aren't they? They are. They, they're probably better than I ever was, Shane, to be honest. So honestly, uh, just um, hearing you talk about them, that, there's not too much they're not good at. You know, they're the, they're unique personalities that they pick everything up fairly fast. Yeah. So uh, they were born into a family where their dad livestock judged and their mom rodeoed and uh, they managed to, to walk the fine line and do both and be (laughs) very competitive in both fields. Uh, I keep telling them somewhere in life, you're going to have to make a decision uh, which one's going to be your passion. But at this point they're they uh, are very good at both. Yeah. Very good. So tell us a little bit about um, how you guys got started in the Hereford business and the, the family and the ranch. Well, so both my both my parents' families raised Herefords. I mean, we, you can go back generations deep in my pedigree with Herefords. Uh, my parents' love was the commercial industry. Mm-hmm. And so they ran a commercial. It was uh, a Red Angus-based cow herd. Um, and they ran about 25 head of, of seed stock cows to and those cows job was simply to raise the bulls that went on the Durban Creek, uh, uh, commercial cow program. Uh, when I turned 13, dad had taken on a lot of different, uh, uh, I guess what you would call endeavors and, and just didn't have time to, to see the, the, day-to-day management in the registered cow. So I took those on when I was 13 and started growing. When I turned 18, I went to Don Dubois's in South Dakota. He was part of Curtis Pold Herefords and I bought all mm-hmm. of his heifer calves. Mm-hmm. And I, I spent a week there at Don's and we sorted through them. And uh, when I was done, I took about 40% of the heifer calves I had bought. I sold the other 60% back to him and I hauled those Hereford those heifers to Oregon with me and they were the nucleus of what you would call the expansion of Durban Creek. At that point in time, we started marketing bulls. Um, Shortly after we moved here to Wyoming, we had to do another expansion. At that point in time, we bought the bar pipe cow herd out of Canada 
brought the entire cow herd here to Wyoming and, and proceeded to sort on them. And, and it allowed us to offer, we offer about 125 bulls a year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those gotcha. go ahead. No, you're good. I was going to say those bulls primary job is to go on black Angus cows and make, or red Angus cows and make F1 cross calves. Right. The bread and butter, right? Exactly. Um, I had, I was actually talking with a, a uh, reporter for the tri-state news earlier today. That's a, a publication here in the Intermountain in Dakota region. And, and she asked me, what makes the baldy cow so special? And my response was, she just pays the bills year in and year out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you've, um, you know, that's over time, you've built up a, a really good female market too. Uh, Wyatt, right? We have, and it's really my passion within the the feedlot operation, the spec grounding lot, is we develop a lot of bred heifers here, and, and there's nothing I love more than to see a, a big set of baldy females go to work for somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just so everybody knows, I if you're not familiar with, with Wyatt and the Agars, uh, Thermopolis, Wyoming, uh, almost Montana, not quite, but, uh, it gets pretty cold in your neck of the woods. It sure can. 20 below is not unusual. 30 below isn't shocking. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, Baker would be about the same or not quite as harsh. Not near as, as harsh. The difference was, uh, you know, Eastern Oregon is a wetter cold. Um, so zero was a cold day, but, a lot of the real estate we ran was right on the Snake River, so it was a wet, cold, and, and it would stick to you. You know, here it can be zero, and if the sun's shining, it's a beautiful day. Yep. So that that super dry cold, is it, it, it's cold, but it's not as uncomfortable as a wet cold. As somebody that um, married a uh, Colorado girl, my wife would uh, agree with you there, Wyatt. Uh, <laughs> the Missouri humidity, uh, she still hasn't adapted yet to uh, the summers or the winters because they're, they're just more extreme uh, on the heat index or the cold barometer, however you want to look at it. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's jump gears here a little bit. Um, um, this is your uh, last uh, year on the board and... Uh, you know, a lot of exciting things that have happened uh, with your leadership. Um, being on the Herford board, it just seems like uh, here a few years ago, you were one of the newly elected uh, three that were uh, getting on as freshmen. And uh, now you're a senior and uh, you're at the helm and have the reins of the American Herford Association. So let's uh, let's jump into that a little bit and talk a little bit about what what you're excited about that's going on here at the association lab absolutely you know it, it does seem like just a blink of an eye it just not long ago i was elected and uh, we had a couple of, of presidents the first two years that really uh, were mindful about wanting to lay out a new strategic plan and when we sat down in those rooms and worked on the strategic plan we really wanted to focus on uh on the commercial sector and how to connect with those in this part of the world, uh, black cattle in, in the Southern part of the, 
the States, those, those Brahm influence cattle. And we came out of that room with, with the help of you guys here at the office with what I think is a phenomenal strategic plan. And, and I think we already see the, the results of that as we really focus on how do we put more Hereford bulls out there working in the commercial sector. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, um, you know, the commercial programs committee is, is fairly new and that would have been, I think one of the very first years we had that, Wyatt, um, you were a part of the committee and then, uh, you took uh, a leadership role as chairman of that committee and, uh, it has been a focus and it's needed to be a focus, um, that, um, you know, I'm just sitting here in the office looking at the pictures of the commercial females up on our wall by our entrance. And it's a reminder, as Jack Ward says, uh, to each of us that work in here every day, that's where we need to be focused on and, and putting more Hereford genetics uh, into those commercial ranches and farms. And there's there's still a lot of room to grow. And, you know, it's uh, you don't have to travel very far up and down the road to see uh, all the opportunity that's that's there, but I will tell you that uh, it is nice seeing there's more white faces all the time. To your point, uh, um, the the movement is happening. A- absolutely, and you know, uh, the guys are seeing results. I just was talking with a bull customer this morning that sold a, a load of steer calves the other day. Um, well, I should say sold two loads of steer calves. One was, was solid colored calves and one was a set of baldy calves and, uh, calves born the same calving window managed in the same pastures. Those white face calves had a 25 pound advantage. Mm, wow. And, you know, you, you take that back to the banker day in and day out and that pays the bills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and you've developed enough of these females here over time and got them in hands of uh, folks that were really needing uh, something different. Um, uh, Talk about what, you know, some of your customer experience and what they've been able to see because the the direct heterosis is one thing, but uh, the, the maternal aspect is where it can really get fun. You know, the the biggest the biggest comments I hear is number one, an increase in breed back. You know, the way cows are ran here in Wyoming and in the Intermountain region, a lot of these cows winter out. They're not fed any, uh, what we'd call processed or harvested forages. They're out working in, in the elements. And it's hard for those young cows to get bred back for that second, and third calf. And these guys that are, are running the baldy females are seeing a, a, a four, five, six percent increase in in conception rate on those two and three year old cows, and we all know those are the most expensive cows that we own. You know, every mm-hmm. every model that we look at says that those cows don't pay themselves back till they're seven to nine years old. But when you talk about keeping five percent more of those cows as twos and threes, it it really helps the bottom line, for sure. Charlie Martinez, that's with the University of Tennessee, um, uh, was here during the educational forum and uh, basically updated the Circle A, uh, the ranch data and the Harris Ranch data uh, with new economics, uh, the inputs. Obviously, prices have 
gone through the roof in every aspect of agriculture. And uh, I I want to point you to that in the, the December Herford world and some of the promotional stuff that's going to come out. I mean, the impact uh, that Wyatt's referring to is substantial um, in a big way, even bigger than when it was, obviously, um, back in the early 2000s. And so that'll be something neat to see. Uh, he did a really good job of explaining that during that educational forum and kind of what's happening. So beyond the the commercial kind of focus here within the AHA, Wyatt, what else uh, uh, are you looking to kind of accomplish and lead the board through this next year? You know, when we talk about pumping more bulls into the commercial sector, the natural uh, result of that is more demand for that Hereford female. As we have to produce more bulls, we need more Hereford females to do it. So I want to see an increase in registrations and and more Hereford females being reported in our whole herd reporting. Um, And to stem off of that, you know, we released the, uh, the new uh, DNA test pricing schedule at the, at the meetings there in Kansas city. And as we see more of these females come into production, I want to see more, uh, more of these females DNA tested and some more genomics put into, to work for us. Certainly. And, um, you know, that DNA price structure, I think, uh, should alleviate some of the, the cost burden that, uh, some of our members, uh, have expressed with us and something that you helped us, uh, lead us through um, in, in getting that um, that price break. And so at the first of the year, um, DNA will be priced off of uh, age of calf. And so um, those uh, DNA prices are that uh, an animal within an age range of essentially a day old to up to six months uh, can get a DNA price, which would include a genomic profile, parentage, and four of the five abnormalities, except for MD, for $30. And uh, that's a little better than a third of a price discount than what we are currently offering. And so um, super excited uh, to get members that in their hands uh, here coming up right at the first of the year for this uh, next calf crop that's coming here in 24. And really uh, for these fall calves that are, um, you know, that have been born this fall, you'll still be able to, if you get right on it, take advantage of that. Um, From six to 12 months, it's going to stay the same price at 46. And then uh, for cattle that are over a year of age, it'll actually be $60. And so it is a, Definitely advantageous for you to uh, get the DNA work done and ordered um, prior to those cattle getting older in life. And why? let's talk a little bit about that. Why is that important, getting that DNA done earlier in life rather than waiting? You know, the what we really need to work on as a breed is the, the predictability of, of the EPDs that we have. And the more data we can collect on those cattle young at life, the, the more predictable it makes our EPDs. And uh, so it's really important to get that data in, you know, earlier in life. And when we get done with this conversation, I want to talk a little bit about collecting the actual live data when we can so that 
we push those numbers even further into the the predictability uh, realm. But just the more we can collect on those cattle at a young age, the more impact it's going to have on on uh, the database and the pipeline that we have. Unquestionably, and having that information, I mean, the beauty, I think, where Hereford's uh, anchored so well here in our industry is whole herd reporting. And that platform has allowed just a strong phenotypic base. And uh, why not have whole herd genomics? And and this gets us a lot closer to that goal uh, with a cheaper DNA price where members can take advantage of that uh, on a on a voluntary basis uh, if they so choose. And why not have more information armed uh, in your toolbox to be able to make those selection decisions, right? I mean, and, and we can go right into it. Uh, I, I, I really like your thought process of where you're going with that. Having, you know, that weaning weight information, the birth weight information, obviously, and then uh, we can go further into it. But uh, having that all with the genomic data at your disposal is pretty critical because um, you're moving accuracy during the whole time. Absolutely. And then we, we talk about the feed out program and, and how if, if we take part in that, we can collect the data right through harvest and, and know everything from, from birth until that calf hits the plate. And to be honest, Shane, that's the only way we're going to compete with some of the other breeds out there is we have to collect that, da- that data. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the more data points we can provide you guys in the office, the better shape we're in. Well, I've, I've enjoyed seeing uh, some of the results of the feed out here this last year and what the breeders have done with it. Uh, you know, they've taken that information and I, uh, I'm excited to look at these cell catalogs coming this winter and spring uh, because they've, they've taken that data as they should. They've bragged about it a little bit and how their cattle have performed. Um, and it's, it's what it's intended to do. Um, you know, having, having the actual information, having that carcass data, having the feedlot information, having the health data, and saying, okay, here's how my cattle did, or here's how a customer's cattle did. This is representative of the genetics that you're fixing to buy here uh, during my bull sale. So, um, you know, I think uh, every every guy that's having a bull sale should feed a set of cattle at some point. And I know we've yes. had uh, different people on uh, during the history here of the podcast that shared those same sentiments, but... Uh, Wyatt, you guys have done that uh, for a long time, and I think it's a success of your 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 bull sell shows. And you know, we're we're changing the mindset of of not only the the finishing lots and the packers, but the consumer. Don't tell us these Hereford cattle can't grade. Don't tell us they can't hang up a carcass. You know, we uh, we closed out two big lots last year. One set of of calves graded ninety six percent choice or better, and the other set graded ninety eight percent choice or better. Mm-hmm. Don't don't tell us these white faced cattle can't work behind boards and on the rail. Right. And I think what we have to do as breeders is be mindful when we collect this data back and we see that we have a a sire group or 
if we have some cattle that are falling short, be honest with ourselves and, and address the situation and, and fix it. While I understand everybody has to have a little bit different type of cow to, to prosper in their environment, but we can certainly chip away at our weaknesses. No doubt about it. So, um, you know, I think it's, uh, sure an interesting cycle that we're in right now. Um, you know, with short supply on, on cow inventory, you know, we're, um, we're nearing or hitting, uh, achieving record beef prices. And it, the forecast of that looks, uh, pretty strong here for the next uh, few years. Uh, you know, as long as beef demand, uh, stays right along with it. And there's certainly no signs at this point that that's going to slow down. Um, so Wyatt, I mean, what, um, you know, as you sit down and you think, uh, you know, about spreading the Hereford message and and what uh, fellow members can do to promote, uh, we've we've been doing it here for quite a while. But what what's something that you'd like the membership to do even more so than maybe they haven't? It, it starts, Shane, with being involved with where you market your calves. Even if all you're doing is hauling three head of calves to the cell barn, be involved and hold those marketers accountable. Right now, any calf at the cell barn is worth a premium. Mm-hmm. Take advantage of this of that at this point in time and hold those marketers, market, marketers accountable. Um, you know, I was down at the down at the local cell barn here yesterday. Uh, they brought in a, a fancy set of black baldy calves and there was one Hereford steer in it. What was the first thing the auctioneer said? It wasn't, wasn't the buyer sitting in the stands. It was the auctioneer said, pull the Hereford calf off. I'll be darn. Yeah. Well, they pulled the Hereford calf off. In the meantime, I went down and they had to sort him out. He was in the ring. In the meantime, I went down and talked to the cell barn owner. He bought the Hereford calf and it brought every bit as much as the black baldy calves. Good. But it starts with we have to we have to exercise our influence in the realm that we operate in, and that's talking to to the marketer of your calves. Mm-hmm. But number two is work with your customers to create a market for your product. You know that's the whole reason we bought the the feedlot Washki feeders is to help our customers market their calves. Mm-hmm. I I realize that's not an option for everybody, but get involved where you can. Help help your customers pool calves so you have full loads instead of ones and twos. Um, work with the, we're offering a lot of these Hereford influenced calf sales. The calves are selling well at them. Help your customers get those calves to those sales, or help your customers get to uh, to uh, Lee's place and feed those calves out and see how they perform. Yeah. No, no time since I've worked here has there been more options for all all membership. Really, no matter if you've got uh, ten head or if you've got a thousand head, the the opportunities are are really the same. Uh, and if if you don't have a place to background or feed, uh, you know, there's probably somebody there local that uh, is doing that, uh, where you could help group those together and. And uh, get them to one of the American Hereford Association feeder calf sales, and and they are listed on our website uh, along uh, in the Hereford world. They've been published, 
and there's several of those that'll that'll continue here through the winter months and into the spring. And then absolutely the feed out, uh, Trey Beffert, uh, contact him uh, and, and get involved in that because it's it's been awesome what we've been able to do with that data. You know, we've put so many, over the last 10 years, we've developed so many tools in the toolbox. Now it's just deciding which tool works for your operation and, and putting it to use. And it, uh, it's an exciting time to be in the Hereford seed stock business. For sure. Well, Wyatt, uh, I think we've uh, covered a, a lot of um, what we wanted to tackle with you today. Any uh, any parting uh, thoughts that you might have? You know, I just want to, like I said a minute ago, it's such an exciting time to be in, in the Hereford business. And it's an exciting time to be in the cattle business. Um, and I always try to remind my crew around here at the feedlot and uh, and the people that we work with marketing cattle and, and my own family that we may be in the agricultural business, but we're really in the people business. And it, it, it's how do we touch those individuals that we do business with every day? And uh, it's, I, you know, I grew up in Oregon country, natural beef. Uh, it, it was a brand of beef program started by Doc and Connie Hatfield. And, and Connie used to talk about a, a, a term is called Shinrai, and it's a term that is used in, in the Japanese culture. And it's, it's what's good for you is good for me. Hmm. And, you know, as we go out and we start talking to people about these Hereford cattle and, and what we can offer their programs, we have to remember what's good for them is good for us. We, we've got to be diligent about keeping the udders clean, keeping the feet good, keeping the eyes good, keeping prolapses at bay. Those historic Hereford issues keep them at bay and keep producing really, really good cattle. And what we offer the, the beef industry is something so unique that they're going to get used. People are going to use them. Chinrai. I love it. Yeah. Learned something new today. That's good. Uh, Chinrai. I think that's a great way to um, go into kind of the, the next uh, statement here. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, Christmas, uh, Thanksgiving, it, it just brings on kind of a different mindset to, to a lot of us, I guess. And, um, you know, why, why we're, uh, you know, here and, you know, it's family, the Hereford family. And, uh, we, we get to celebrate that each and every day. Annual meeting was a great, um, uh, great time to get all of us together. And that, uh, just seems like the momentum and the shot in the arm that everybody needs to go into a great bull cell season and and um, look forward to another great year here at the American Hereford Association. So certainly appreciate everybody joining us today and tuning in to uh, listen to our new president, Wyatt Agar. This next month, uh, we're going to have a special guest uh, again uh, on here to close out uh, 2023 and so uh be uh be anxiously awaiting uh our uh, our final guest of the year and then um one other special announcement um we will uh, be doing the season of giving um through the the foundation again december 4th through the 8th and so uh you'll want to take part of of that uh coming up here in december and so Thanks for uh, 
tuning in with us here today, and we look forward to hearing your comments and your feedback uh, as we go through uh, another episode and finish out the year of 1881. With that, we're signing off. Thanks for tuning in to the American Hereford Association's podcast, 1881, with host Shane Bedwell. For more information, visit Hereford.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast today.